the, the marriage and the church kind of interchangeably to describe each other. Uh, Ephesians 5, verse uh, 22. We, these are familiar verses that we hear at most every wedding, and appropriately so. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. The reality is, like, like Steve uh, Brubaker told me many years ago, the same things that make marriage and home what God intended it to be make the church what God intended it to be. I've come to believe that the term the family of God is a biblical term. Now, all of us are born with a sense of, uh, or a need, a need to belong. God created us with that need, and, and I firmly believe that family units are uh, God's plan for human beings. Mothers, fathers, brothers, and sisters, there to, to be a family unit. And that's how humans are to relate. That's to be the, the nucleus, the core. It should not surprise us that, that ruthless dictators and mass murderers and people that commit violent crimes almost invariably do not have those relationships in their lives. And it affects their behavior. Study it. Study history. Those ruthless dictators oftentimes had terrible, miserable relationships in their immediate families. They come from dysfunctional homes with dysfunctional relationships. They do not feel like they belong. And they do very, very wicked things. Proverbs 1.14 says, Cast in thy lot among us. Let us all have one purse, that, that belonging. You know, people turn to gangs and cults and clubs to, to belong. They do wicked things, but they feel like they belong because they're doing them with others. Uh, this might jog uh, the memories of a few guys up there in the balcony. Uh, 17, 18 years ago, uh, I think it was on a Wednesday evening or a Sunday evening, I'm not sure, but uh, Delvin and I had little chaps back then, and uh, we were wanting to go home, and we couldn't find these little chaps. And Delvin and I ended up down in the basement here, and uh, in one of the little Sunday school rooms down here, I think it was over on this side, there was a group of little boys in there. I don't know if Delvin remembers this. The door was slightly ajar, and Delvin and I just paused a little, and what's going on in there? This is back in the late 90s. Uh, uh, Bill Clinton had just been impeached, and uh, these little boys uh, were forming a club, and they were swearing in Eldon as the president of the club, and they were going to allow impeachment if, 
if Eldon got out of line, he was going to get impeached. <laughs> so uh, these little boys, you know, wanted to belong. They had a little club they were forming, and they were going to do it right. <laughs> you know, even homeless people, you know, they have their bridge. They have their stairway, their cardboard box, and a number of comrades that give them some sense of belonging. You know, God obviously wants our homes to, to be loving and close-knit. Marriage is to, to be a, a strong bond of love. God wants each of us to find our need and belonging fulfilled in him first and foremost. Yes, the, the, these family units are God's plan, but first of all, we need to find our belonging in him. Other than that, we're headed for trouble and these other relationships are not going to reach their full potential that God intended. Leviticus 26, 12 says, And I will walk among them and will be your God. I will walk among you and be your God, and ye shall be my people. That's the desire God has for each of us, that we would be have that kind of relationship and feel that kind of attachment to Him. Uh, turn in your Bibles to Matthew 12. In a lot of ways, this is kind of the basis for uh, my thoughts on, uh, on this subject. And we, we won't tarry here long, but I think what, what Jesus is saying here is basic. It's foundational. Matthew 12 uh, starting at verse uh, 47. Then one said unto him, Behold, thy mother and thy brethren stand without, desiring to speak with thee. But he answered and said unto him that told him, Who is my mother and who are my brethren? And he stretched forth his hand toward his disciples and said, Behold, my mother and my brethren, for whosoever shall do the will of my father which is in heaven, the same is my brother and sister and mother. I think Melvin Delp was right when I was a little lad listening to him and saying, hey, the church, the followers of Jesus Christ, those that obey him, cuts down through family lines. And probably they... Probably there's some of us sitting here this morning that know all too well that we can have a closer relationship with the family of God than with blood family because of accepting or rejecting the Lord Jesus Christ. The reality is that when we find our belonging in God, then these other relationships, husbands, wives, fathers, mothers, sons, daughters, brothers and sisters, these relationships become what God intended them to be. Home is where we are to be understood, where we find uh, people that, that really care. 
And unfortunately, far too often in our society, that is not the case. It doesn't happen. Family members uh, are rejected by the very people that God intended to embrace them and to love them and to nurture them. Many times those individuals, if they're children of God, look to the family of God for the kind of care and, and nurture that, that should be coming from the home, a Christian home, from their parents. But they're not getting it there. I sure hope they can find it in the family of God. It's sad if that's not happening, if they can't find it either place. Again, we need to remind ourselves that first and foremost, our belonging goes to the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus alone knows and cares and understands perfectly. You know, some people know. They know Rich is struggling, but they don't care, much less understand. Some people know and even care, but they don't understand. Some people would care and they would understand, but they don't know. Jesus always knows, cares, and understands all three perfectly. That's why you and I must put our, our need to belong with the Lord Jesus Christ. He gets it right 100% of the time. Even the best father, the best mother, will fail you at times. We're human. Jesus never fails. He does it perfectly. Luke 13, 34, he says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, which killeth the prophets, and stonest them that are sent unto thee, how often I would have gathered thy children together, as a hen doth gather her brood under her wings, and ye would not. You can hear the heart of Jesus there, wanting to, to have us belong to him, to have us look to him for shelter, for protection. But as human beings, we would not. Uh, turn with me to Isaiah 40. Uh, Derek took us there this morning, and I thought he was going to... Uh, Read my verses. Oh, they're not mine, but my, one of my favorite verses. Uh, but he went a little later, and this is a great, Isaiah 40 is a great uh, chapter. Says has so much good things in there. But verse 11 is one of my favorite verses, and it says this. He, talking about God, shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with his arms and carry them in his bosom and shall gently lead those that are with young. The writer here is comparing God to a shepherd with his sheep. And he's saying he feeds them. He gathers the little ones in his arm and carries them probably when the, the way is too rugged and rough or they're getting tired. And gently leads those that are about to have lambs. He's meeting each need 
The needs vary, but he's meeting each one and he knows the need that each one has. We're talking about what it means to you, to me, to be part of the family of God. As as this particular family of God, we need to be the kind of people that, that love deeply. Philippians 2 says it this way, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than himself. There's, there's something there that is a tall order for each of us to esteem others better than ourselves. The next verse says, let each of you look not only for his own interests, but also on the interests of others, putting others first, meeting their needs, not worrying so much when you have needs that are unmet, but make sure you're meeting the needs of those around you. I would challenge us uh, you know, we, we live in a world where homes are becoming less and less functional. It's everywhere we look. And invariably, there's going to be more and more people that are not getting at home what God intended, even on a basic human standard. Apart from Christianity, they're not getting the, the security and, and love at home anywhere close to what God intended. And so as the family of God, we need to reach out and bring them in, show them love, and make a difference in their lives and hopefully lead them to the Lord Jesus Christ. How do we make being part of the family of God practical in our life and experience and for for those around us? Well, I think we have to remember that there's no shortcut. It has to start, first of all, with belonging to Jesus, which comes through confession and repentance, finding cleansing and forgiveness. We become a new creature. He becomes the Lord of our life, and then we belong. We belong to him. We are drawn to those that belong to him. There's no other way to become part of the family of God than to go through those steps of confession and repentance and cleansing and becoming part of the family of God. In God's family, there is the need to understand that there are expectations that need to be respected. You know, happy homes Solid marriages have godly expectations that are understood and respected. Show show me a home or, or a marriage that has no expectations. Or if they have them, they're ignored. And I'll show you a sad home. A shaky marriage. If there's no expectations, or the ones that are there are just 
totally ignored. It's, it's chaos. It should not surprise us that God has expectations for his family. When we become part of his family, there's things he expects of us. We need to understand that. We need to respect that. Let's go to, to Matthew chapter 6, which is part of what? Sermon on the Mount, yes. Matthew 6, let's start reading at verse 12. And for, this is part of the, uh, the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And then he follows the prayer with, with these two verses. For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Jesus makes it crystal clear that one of the expectations for his family is forgiveness. We need it from him. We need it from each other. And we extend it to one another. We could go to many other scriptures that, that make that same point. Forgiveness is an expectation that needs to be respected in the family of God. Love. John 13, 35 says this, By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. One of the ways that people will automatically notice that we are part of the family of God is the fact that we love one another. Let's never forget that. It's one of the one of the quickest ways to damage our, uh, our ability to, to project Jesus to the world is to lose our love for one another. 1 Peter 1.22 Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit and sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart the family of God loves. They love one another. Serving. The family of God serves one another. Matthew twenty twenty five. Jesus says, but Jesus called them unto him. He called his disciples in and he said, you know, I want to tell you guys something here. He said, you know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and they that are great exercise authority upon them, but it shall not be so among you. But whoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. Whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. For even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus is saying, I came to serve. And if you're going to be part of my family, one of the expectations is that you 
will serve others, not yourself. It's an expectation that that needs to be respected. The family of God are people who forgive, love, and serve one another. Wrongs are made right. Hurts are smoothed with love. Needs are met through humble service. You know, in the early church, they had to grapple with expectations. And it should not surprise you and I if here, many, many years later, we still grapple with what are the expectations for the family of God. Let's turn to to Acts 15. Many of us know uh, what that's about. We'll just read uh, a few verses there. But here was the church just getting started. The Gentiles and the Jews trying to mesh their uh, preconceived ideas, if you will, into what it means to be part of the family of God. Let's start reading at verse 25. And it seemed good unto us, being assembled with one accord, to send chosen men unto you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul. This is the the conclusion of what we sometimes call the Jerusalem Conference. Men that have hazarded their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. We have sent therefore Judas and Silas, who shall also tell you the same things by mouth. For it seemed good to the Holy Ghost and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things, that ye abstain from meats offered to idols, and from blood, and from things strangled, and from fornication, from which, if ye keep yourselves, ye shall do well. Fare ye well. You know, as we look uh, at the book of Acts, we can go back here a few chapters into, let's just turn back there. I think we maybe have time. Uh, Acts chapter 2. We. We're going to run out of time. We won't read this, but you're you're familiar with it. Acts Acts 2, uh, towards the end of the chapter there, verse 41. uh, You know, Paul preached his sermon. The Holy Ghost came there at Pentecost and and they were steadfast together in doctrine and fellowship and breaking the bread and and they were selling things and, and meeting needs and it was perfect. Nothing was wrong. It was beautiful. It was just as picture perfect as you could imagine. But it didn't last. You go to to chapter 5, and you have that terrible story of Ananias and Sapphira. Uh, What could you say? A little greedy? A little bit of lying? And they're struck dead. And it, it caused fear in this perfect church. Two of their people were struck dead. We go to to chapter 6, and there's widows that are being neglected. They have needs that are not being met. We just read back in chapter 2 that 
that all the needs were being met. People were selling their stuff and meeting needs. And now here it's not happening. There were problems. And they had to grapple with what does it mean to be part of the family of God? These needs need to be met and they had to to come to some kind of a, a conclusion how to meet these needs. Acts chapter 11. Peter runs into problems. He, he goes into a Gentile's house and you're not supposed to do that. And so that had to, be, had to be worked out. Peter had to be confronted by Paul. He was, he was eating with the Gentiles, but then when certain people came around, he wouldn't. And, you know, Paul had to uh, confront him about that. This perfect thing is... is They're grappling. What does it mean? What does it mean to be part of the family of God? Apollos needed some correction. He was an eloquent speaker, but he needed some correction from Aquila and Priscilla. These tent makers had to teach him, and he was willing to be taught. Timothy, a young man, needed to learn from Paul, an older man. Philemon, needed admonition from Paul about his runaway slave. He was not doing things quite like the family of God ought to, and Paul had to instruct him. The point we're making is that there's expectations in the family of God, and we have to understand them and respect them. We learn from each other. There's give and take. Apollos needed to allow someone in maybe a lower position in the church instruct him and teach him. In the family of God, we not only tolerate rebuke, advice, and correction, we invite it, are thankful for it, and willing to give and receive it. And neither of them are but so much fun to give it or receive it. Let me read that again. In the family of God, we not only tolerate rebuke, advice, and correction, we invite it, are thankful for it, and willing to give and receive it. That's hard. That's easier to read than to do. And I can testify to that. I've experienced that recently. It's not always easy, but it is what it means to be part of the family of God. To be part of the family of God calls for commitment. Like Steve Brubaker said, if I'm going to have a good marriage, I need to be committed. And if I'm going to have good relationships in the local body of Christ, it's going to take commitment. We live in a culture of fragmented homes, largely due to lack of commitment. Children are born to adults that have no commitment to each other, but now they have a child. It's terrible. You know, marriage is God's plan for families. However, marriage without commitment, the the mutual love and respect that God intended, it's empty, it's hollow. Yeah, they live in the same house, and it happens in our churches. 
They live in the same house, but there's no love. There's no respect. And it is not any more God's plan than the two adults that have a child and have no commitment. We must learn what God expects and live there. To be part of God's family calls for commitment. It is sad to see see families and marriages missing that blessing, the blessing that God would just love to shower upon them if only they were committed to one another. You know, things that that really uh, destroy that commitment is selfishness, an independent spirit. Deciding the cost of commitment is just too high. It's why so many marriages fail. It's just so sad to see that happening. And it also happens in the family of God. When there is there's that lack of willingness to commit. It costs. It costs everybody something to commit. We make ourselves vulnerable when we make commitments, for better or for worse. In health or sickness, prosperity or adversity, to live in peace. Those are are very strong promises, and we are so clueless when we say them. Yeah, we mean it, but we know it's going to work. I mean, she loves me and I love her, and it's going to just be beautiful. And we don't realize that life is real, and we live in realville, and we must make it work. And it's not always going to be easy. It's going to take commitment. Committing ourselves to the local body of Christ has the same risks. It makes us vulnerable when we commit ourselves. Now, there's, there's a number of you here this morning that I don't know at all. And uh, I'm making absolutely no judgment on you. I'm just saying what I think I understand Jesus to be saying in the New Testament. You know, church membership in and of itself uh, is not the answer to your life and mine. Any more than being born or adopted into a home automatically makes you or I a blessing in that home. Or saying marriage vows help us or, or make a for a committed husband and wife. It's just not that automatic. It doesn't work that way. However, I don't know of any practical way to live out Jesus' teaching. The model that he gives us in the New Testament if we're going to have an independent spirit or a lack of commitment to the local body, how do you live out Jesus' teaching. 
as we read the book of Acts, as we read Paul's letters to the churches, he gives us reason to believe that it starts, like we said earlier, with confession and repentance. And there's no other shortcut. There's no other way to get there. That's where it starts. But then it's followed with baptism and plugging in and fellowshipping with the local body. Body parts that are unattached eventually die. You know, we don't do away with marriage vows and we don't tell our children, don't bother with those marriage vows. Statistics tell us that there's a 50-some percent chance you'll break them anyway, just don't bother. We don't tell them that, do we? I'm not telling my children that. Why would we encourage lack of commitment and vows to the local body of Christ just because many people break them or just because there's lots of hypocrisy in the family of God or so-called? I would like to say this as a as a personal testimony in closing. You know, 27 years ago, I moved into this community uh, just for the very simple, innocent reason of I married one of your girls. Uh, I was new in the community. I was not an extremely young man. I was 29. Uh, I had been many places, done many things, and uh, had ideas and opinions about a lot of things. <laughs> some of you can testify to that. Uh, I had some ideas about how church ought to be and how it ought to work. And uh, here I was in a, in a new community. And I was trying to figure out how this church works. This was totally different than Lancaster County where I grew up. I had a lot of questions. Um, Y'all did things differently here than what I was used to. How do Yoders think? I mean, I never had to deal with Yoders before. <laughs> and so I had to try to figure out how Yoders think. I had questions, is, is this a good place to raise a family? Here I am, a young married man. Is this a good place for me to raise my family? Is this a New Testament church? Was a question that was very important to me. And, and I stood back and, and uh, analyzed for a while. I think maybe a couple of years. But I came to realize that that standing back and analyzing is good but cannot become an end in itself. At some point, there has to be commitment. There has to be skin in the game if, if I'm going to be part of, of this local body of Christ. I came to the conclusion, if you all will accept me, I will accept you. And I have no regrets for having done that. I failed. I failed you. 
but I've found you to be <clears throat> a, a family of God that will, we're more than ready to love and to forgive. So my question to you this morning is, what does it mean to us, to you, to me, to be part of the family of God? First of all, are we finding that need to belong in the Lord Jesus Christ? If we're not, we must go back and start there. Do we understand that Jesus has expectations that need to be respected if we're going to be part of his family? We need to be willing to learn from each other. That's part of the deal. If we're going to be part of the family of God, we need to learn from each other. I need to see your strengths as a blessing to me. You need to see my strengths and weaknesses as something that you need to learn to deal with. We need to be committed if we're going to make it work. Are we, as a local body here, are we living up to God's high calling to be a place where needs are known, understood, and cared for? You know, there's that song we used to sing years ago, Jesus has no hands but our hands, you know, to reach out and meet needs. And, and uh, are we that kind of people? That's one of the expectations that Jesus has, that needs will be known, understood, and cared for. He can do it perfectly, we can't, but we must try, and we must learn to be more and more like him. My testimony is that I'm glad to, to be part of the family of God, and I trust that each one of you has made that a goal in your life somewhere, somehow. And if not, that it's something you will work hard at doing because it's important if we want to receive the blessings that the Lord Jesus Christ would love to shower upon us. Shall we have a song?